This final section of Chapter 5 provides a brief introduction to the energy and power of electromagnetic waves and the electromagnetic impedance. By measuring the amount of work it takes to charge up a capacitor or to push current through an inductor, the energy stored in the electric field and in the magnetic field can be determined. Dividing that energy by the volume occupied by those fields gives the field's energy density, the joules per cubic meter in SI units, which you can see in equations 516 and 517. In each case, the energy density depends on the square of the field's amplitude and also depends on the permittivity or permeability of the medium in which those fields exist. In free space, the permittivity is epsilon naught and the permeability is mu naught. As it says in the text, these are the energy densities, so to get the total energy, you need either to multiply by the volume occupied by the field, that works if the field is uniform over the volume, or you need to integrate over the volume if the field varies over the volume. For electromagnetic waves, both electric and magnetic fields exist in the same region, so the total energy density is the sum of U sub E and U sub B, as shown in equation 518. Using the relationship between the magnitude of E and the magnitude of B from equation 515, this can be written as U total, which equals epsilon naught times the magnitude of E squared, or equivalently, the magnitude of B squared over mu naught, as shown in equations 519 and 520. You can find the power carried by an electromagnetic wave, that is, the rate of energy flow, using the same approach we used in chapter 4 to find the power of a mechanical wave. As you may recall, we did that by multiplying the energy density by the speed of the wave, which is the speed of light in the case of electromagnetic waves in a vacuum. Doing the same process for an electromagnetic wave gives the expression for power density shown in equation 521. Note that we write the power density as the magnitude of a vector we call s. That's the pointing vector, about which we'll say more in a few minutes. Note also that this gives a power density, which has dimensions of power per unit area, or watts per square meter, in SI units. That's because we multiplied the volume energy density, joules per cubic meter, by the wave speed, meters per second, so we end up with joules per square meter per second, or watts per square meter. That's the power flowing through a cross-sectional area of one square meter perpendicular to the direction of wave propagation. To get the average power density in the wave, we average over one or more complete cycles of the wave, and that gives the average power density shown in equation 522. Then there's an example of how to use these equations to find the electric and magnetic fields in sunlight, and we calculate the numerical value of the impedance of free space in equation 523. An expression for the power density of an electromagnetic wave in a vacuum in terms of Z0, the impedance of free space, is shown in equation 524, with the average value shown in equation 525. The final piece of this final section of chapter 5 deals with the direction of energy flow in an electromagnetic wave. That's the direction of the pointing vector S, which is shown in equation 526 as the vector cross product of the electric field E and the magnetic field B. If you haven't encountered the vector cross product before, we show its magnitude in equation 527, which is simply the magnitude of each vector times the sine of the angle between them. We also show how to find the direction of the vector cross product in figure 5.8. As this figure illustrates, you can find the direction of A cross B by using the palm of your right hand to push vector A into vector B. When you do that, your right thumb points in the direction of A cross B. But as it says in the text, the order matters. So be careful that you push the first vector into the second, in this case A into B, not the other way around. 
Since the vector electric field E and the vector magnetic field B are perpendicular to one another and the direction of propagation in the electromagnetic waves we've been considering, this works out exactly as it should if you push vector E into vector B with your right palm. At the very end of this chapter, you can see an example of this, and as always, you can get some practice using these concepts and equations by working the chapter end problems. If you have interest in quantum waves, we'll talk to you in chapter 6.